This is the Better Pastor Podcast, where we focus on the skills you need to pastor better. Seminary didn't prepare us for everything, so let's keep learning and growing together. Today I'm joined by fellow Utah pastor Greg Baker. He has pastored Fellowship Bible Church in Eden, Utah since 2010, and today we have a helpful discussion on the often discussed issue of sermon preparation time. All right, Greg, what is sermon prep time and why is it important for pastors to consider? Yeah, sermon prep is a huge part of ministry, and it's probably the question that I get most from and men who are preparing for ministry. You know, how much time should I spend? How much time does it take you to prepare a sermon? Um, and, the, you know, it's it's so important. You just read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and we see the primary role of a pastor is to be a teacher, you know, uh, teach the word, um, continue in these things, uh, proclaim them publicly. Um, continue in the doctrine. Um, and, and, you know, to hear Paul talk to his protege, Timothy, you realize that teaching is just this, um, you, you know, one of the fundamental aspects of pastoring. It's one of the fundamental aspects of teaching. The apostles wouldn't even serve tables so that they could dedicate themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Um, sermon prep time, though, is tricky because it's different for every person. And my sermon prep time looks a lot different than somebody else's sermon prep time. Um, but, you know, your church is essentially paying you for being ready to preach weekly. And so coming into the pulpit prepared, having um, done the legwork, that not only fulfills your divine commission, but it instills a lot of confidence in the people that you're doing the job that they have called you to do. Well, you mentioned a few passages there, but what what other areas of Scripture come to mind when it comes to preparing for teaching, particularly the issue of preparing and stewarding your time as a pastor, preparing for the Sunday event? Yeah, in addition to the pastoral epistles, you know, you you read, you just read or study a book of the Bible, say like Ephesians, and you see how much biblical illusion and cross-pollination the apostle paul is using to have books like isaiah so read read the book of, uh, of ephesians sometime for example with an eye toward all those connections to isaiah and suddenly you see that the apostle paul whether it you know be preparation for pharisaism or gospel ministry he was dedicating a huge amount of time to understanding old testament revelation um, to understanding how Christ fulfilled all these promises. And that preparation comes out in his writing. I think um, we I think we kind of labor under a delusion that the Apostle Paul sat down and just wrote the book of Ephesians first try, um, when that's probably actually the farthest thing from the truth. Um, he probably sat down and labored and he's telling Timothy, for example, hey, bring me the parchments, bring me the books, because I've got some other writing research and so forth to do. 
and I need to I need these resources to fulfill my commission. And so not only in specific statements like the ones that I mentioned, be instant in season and out season, be uh, instant in season and out of season, or be a workman uh, approved by God who doesn't need to be ashamed. We've got those specific statements, but then we've also got a much bigger tenor of scripture of people like Paul who are clearly doing their research, doing their homework, and are clearly rightly dividing the word of truth. That's good. Now, when it comes to, you know, pastors today with all the things going on in life, it seems like life just gets busier and busier. What are the factors that today's pastor needs to consider when outlining his sermon prep time and seeing how sermon prep time fits into his weekly routine? Yeah. And I, I think that's there. I, I would say there's a part of that that is non-negotiable and a, there's a part of that that's very personal. Um, like you talk to some pastors and they say, oh, I put, you know, 15, 20 hours of sermon prep in. Um, that has not been my experience of what I need to be prepared to preach a sermon. I think a lot of that has to do with how much education you had um, coming into the ministry. Um, in some cases, God really equips a man like it's a gift. He gives them the ability to put together sermons quickly. And so they don't need quite as much time in preparation. Um, however, in that, I think sermon prep time is very individual that way. Some men study better in the morning, some men study better in the afternoon or evening. Um, for me, I, I really need to be studying in the morning and early in the week. If I can get that done in the morning and early in the week, what happens then is as I'm praying, as I'm, I'm going about my daily activities, you know, doing all these other things, I'm thinking about what I studied earlier in the morning, earlier in the week. And I find that my sermons take on a much better quality because I'm getting that either deliberate meditation time as I walk with the Lord or the, the you know, sort of incidental meditation time as I'm going about my day. I go, oh, yeah, I remember that that will really work. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so that that is really helpful for me. Um, it is very important for a pastor, though, even by vocational pastors, to set aside a certain time. It might not be the same day of the week, though that really helps me. If I say, okay, Monday or Wednesday is, is you know, from, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., I'm setting aside this time no matter what. That's not the only amount of time I put in, but, you know, that's sort of a non-negotiable. Um, because there's always going to be stuff that threatens to take you away from the study. And it's really important that you say no to those things. Uh, you know, I'm an outside guy. I'd love to be outside. I love to do things that are outside. I'm, I like to be with people. And I am one of those people that sort of has to nail his feet to the floor uh, to get that done. But you need to communicate to your people that really this is the most important thing for you. Part of my counseling ministry to you is the pulpit ministry. Mm. Part of my day-to-day -day ministry to you is the pulpit ministry. And even if I have to say no to some other things that are good, 
that's okay because this really is the best thing. And so I find that that's not something that my people um, come up with on their own. Um, I have to teach them that that really is the best. I have to teach them to help me protect that preparation time. And honestly, I'm probably my own worst enemy. I see a need, I want to meet it, and I think, oh, I can always do my sermon prep time later. What's a real blessing to me is when one of the men in the church says, no, no, pastor, let me take care of that. You've got other things to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that only comes that only comes after, you know, consistently year after year being prepared so that they can see how much better a prepared pastor is in the pulpit, you know, but also teaching them that that really is a, a, a vitally important time, not just for you as pastor, but for them as parishioner. Um, another thing that's really important that I found is that, you know, most of what I study um, hits the cutting room floor, especially if we're going to be doing a, a Lord's Table sermon, and I've only got about 30 minutes, um, and I study something really rich. I, I can't possibly bring out everything I studied, um, but that's okay, because Paul, again, you know, talking to Timothy, is encouraging him in godliness to grow in godliness so that your benefit might be apparent to all. And you never know when you'll need some other bit of information. What I, the way I think of it is I want this passage to fill my soul. And it's, it's not facts that I'm trying to convey. It's a, a sense of God's meaning in this text and God's use of this text. And yes, even though a lot of what I'm going to do will get edited out for purposes of time, it changes me. And that is a huge benefit to me, of course, but also to my people. And I, I think it glorifies God, too, when he sees his children conforming into his image through his word. There's a, there's a tension that exists, I think, mostly with uh, fresh out of Bible college or seminary students who go into the pastorate about how much time to spend doing exegetical work versus expositional work versus trying to sound like Chuck Swindoll with my illustrations, you know, <laughs> yeah. making it all flowery. But but even seasoned pastors who are just seeking to sharpen themselves as preachers maybe struggle with that balance of how much time to spend doing the heavy lifting in the original languages versus the other end of preparation. How can a pastor start to wrap his mind around what that should look like? Yeah, I, I would say I, I give that. That's a question I get, you know, a lot, um, especially from younger guys. And I'll, I'll sort of answer it on two tracks. If you're under the age of thirty, I would really strongly encourage you to stay in school and get as much education as you can get. Um, what education buys you in ministry is time. Um, you know. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, uh, theological study is incredibly democratic, you know, Um, everything that I can get access to, lay people can get access to. What education gets you in the realm of theology is speed. Like I can read a, a commentary who uses technical language and know immediately what this is talking about. 
Whereas a layperson is going to have to go to three or four resources. So he's going to have to read that technical language and then go figure out what the technical language means. You know, um, if he can get it, it's available to him, but it will take him more time. And so for, for younger guys, I always kind of joke with them. I say, look, nobody cares about anything you have to say until you're 40 anyway. So <laughs> use that time to, I say that tongue in cheek, by the way. Um, um, so use the time when you're young uh, to get that education and build up your, your capacity to work a little faster. And time is a hugely important thing in ministry. You can redeem your hours, you know. Um, to, to men who have been in ministry for a while and we get to talking about preaching, I usually ask them how they, I'm always curious how other pastors do their sermon prep. I've heard some really interesting ones. <laughs> I have, I heard one pastor, I don't, I don't recommend this by the way. He just studies, studies and studies. And then he goes to the pulpit with no notes. Okay. And he says, I figure I'll remember all the memorable stuff and I'll forget all the forgettable stuff. <laughs> oh my. And I'm like, he's a great preacher, by the way, like he's feeding his people. And I was like, oh man, like <laughs> that's a little braver than I would be. Um, to, what I do, what I do is, so I, I like to handwrite everything. And I, I think that, I think that's, I think that's unique these days. And I don't think a lot of guys still do that. But I, I handwrite with uh, three different colors of ink. In fact, I've got my pen sitting in front of me right now. I've got red and blue and green. And the, the blue is my translation of the text. Um, and I, when I write it down, I leave big spaces on my page between the translation, you know. And red, so and then between those blue lines, I fill out my exegesis, which is in red. Um, and that can be grammar, that can be a word study, um, cross-references to other passages of scripture, um, and so forth. And then my green is applicational thoughts or illustration thoughts as I go throughout, you know what I mean? And I just stop and go, oh, that's a great application. I, you know, I need to remember to say that. And I pick up my green pen and I write that out in the big spaces that I've provided so, so the question is, which color pen do you need to replace most often? The <laughs> Not red. the green, probably, huh? No, the red, for sure. The red, for sure, is the one I have to replace most often. Um, and uh, and so then when I go to make my outline, I use a PowerPoint um, with my people on Sunday. And I end up, and, and so, and I, and as I put together the PowerPoint, I just, I look for the colors, you know what I mean? Um, make a little outline and then for details that I put into the, that I put into the PowerPoint, I go looking for red. And then at the end, at the end of the sermon is usually when I have my applications. Sometimes I sprinkle them throughout, but then when I go to put the applications into the PowerPoint, then I go looking for the green, you know? Um, and then on Sunday morning, before I preach, I go back and I reread all those notes very carefully. Um, and it reminds me, oh yeah, I need to say something like that or, you know, whatever. I don't uh, manuscript my sermons. I know a lot of pastors do that. I feel like I'm not a very good reader. And so, um, so I, 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 I don't use any manuscripting. I, I just preach out that outline. 
Well, speaking of ending with application, let's do that here in this episode and a couple of points of, of just boots on the ground. How can the, the average pastor apply some of these ideas when it comes to sermon prep time? And and maybe the best place to start is just to think of you know the pastor who's looking to set the right amount of time each week for sermon preparation, but he feels that tension between preparing for a sermon and spending time with people. Um, maybe he's going through an, an intense people season, or yeah. maybe it's a, a ministry that's just characterized by intense people time, and he's struggling to keep his head above water. How can a pastor begin to craft the right sermon prep time for his particular context? What I would really strongly recommend is that the pastor get in the habit of waking up early. Um, get up at five. Um, go to bed early. Go to bed at you know, 9, 30, 10, and then get up early and use that time from 5 a.m. to say 10 a.m. to read your Bible, do your sermon preparation work, do your Sunday school preparation work. Use that time to answer emails, write emails, you know, your office work, stuff like that. And then, you know, around, you know, whenever you get to a good stopping point, just put it aside. And then the afternoon is dedicated and evenings are dedicated to people. If I have a bunch of people stuff lined up in the evening, because that, that's often, you know, people work and so forth. And I know I've got a meeting at you know, seven o'clock. I take time in the afternoon with my kids. Um, and then because I know I'm going to be out in the evening, you know, um, and uh, or vice versa. If I've got an afternoon meeting, I go do that. And then I save the evening for my kids. It's really important not to I think of my day in three blocks, morning, afternoon and evening. And I never try to have ministry work on all three blocks. Mm. Um, so two of the three blocks will have ministry, but one block is always open for family. And I always try to preserve that morning block for um, sermon preparation, writing, um, this sort of in the word development that that I need so much of. Are there any other habits that all pastors should form when preparing sermons and looking at their their weekly prep time or any other tips and tricks that you found to work in your own ministry? I, I love the the block idea and thinking through that at a higher level, but anything else that that you do? No, really, I would just say early, early, early in the morning, early in the week. <laughs> um, and you'd be surprised how much better your your sermons will get because you're getting that inadvertent meditation time through the week. Um, you know, I live in a place where I have to drive like 30 minutes to get anywhere. Um, so I'll, I'll, oh yeah, here's another one. Actually, this, I should have said this a long time ago, Jeremy. Um, you need to find a couple preachers that you really like and listen to how they preached the text that you're going to preach coming up. Hmm. Now, please don't steal and plagiarize their sermons. Don't do that. But like, like if you love, say, Martin Lloyd-Jones, or if you love uh, John Piper or John MacArthur, it, you know, just pick a couple and listen to how they preach that text, and it will really help shape your ideas. Uh, but don't, don't get up in the pulpit and do your John, your best, you know, John MacArthur, John Piper impersonation, be you, but let those men really help you in the shaping and application of your sermon. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you still want to think for yourself, but be influenced by trustworthy sources, huh? Absolutely, and that that will that will really hone your preaching. 
And for younger guys, I always recommend that they do something really hard and listen to some of their own preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying every sermon, and I'm not saying get really introspective, but on occasion, listen to some of your preaching because you're going to go, you're going to listen with a critical ear and you're going to go, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And I, I, I still critique myself from time to time that way. And it's, it's painful. I don't, I've never listened to one and go, man, that was good. Um, it's painful, but I think it's necessary if you're going to hone your craft. Very good. Well, Greg Baker, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. Hey, my pleasure. It's been fun. <laughs>